Welcome to the third episode of the Shandy Special. I'm your host, Dustin Shannibal, and for episode three, I have a very special guest, Mr. Jordan Pistons Thoughts. Jordan, I had a, I had a question for you. How are you doing, though, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. What's going on? Yeah, great to have you on the show, man. I, I was wondering, if you ever reach 10,000 followers on Twitter, you should legally change your middle last name to Pistons Thoughts, because I feel like at this point, no one really cares about your last name. It's just give me the Mr. Jordan Pistons Thoughts. You know, I uh, ten thousand might be a little light because I do see that happening eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if we cross fifty, I'm willing to dabble in a legal name change. I just see any potential girl, you know, in your in your future would love to have. First of all, this Mister Thoughts. I feel like that's in the in the oh, in the right yeah, context, oh, respectable yeah. for. I mean, girls will be lining up to take my last name for sure. <laughs> yes, I, and honestly, you know your last name, so. That's also why I'm going with thoughts, and to keep keep you safe, you know, we can keep your last name out for sure. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's tough being a celebrity, my man. It is <laughs> so difficult. No, just it. another celebrity from LA, you know, they all come in bunches. But. Yeah, you know, people told me when I moved out to LA, they're like, "Please don't go Hollywood on us," and I really, I really have. So I'm sorry. <laughs> don't apologize to me. I, I'm just glad to be talking to a legend right now. So. <laughs> Thanks for le- thanks for joining me here. But uh, we have a lot on the show, a lot of exciting, a lot of fun, entertaining topics to cover. We're going to look into just you know, our outlook on Detroit right now, what we think about them as we head into the month of August coming up. And Andre shooting threes, it's another great storyline we talk about every summer now, I feel like, for the past two. Uh, and some Blake Griffin talk. And then we're going to get into some Twitter questions. We have quite a few. So first, let me just get your opinion on your overall feelings toward the Pistons right now. I mean, what's your outlook on the team? I know you've talked about it a lot, and you just had your tweets last night about realistic expectations and then hot takes. What are your thoughts on the team right now? I think that Ed Stefanski in front office has done an absolutely incredible job with the absolutely no flexibility that they had going into the summer. And I think right now, realistic ceiling for the Pistons is probably a four or five seed if all goes incredibly well. I think likely they're going to end up fighting for the five and six seeds sort of thing, but I really love what he, uh, the team has done with the bench, bringing in Derrick Rose, Markeith Morris, Tim Frazier for injury insurance, and they brought in Tony Snell for John Lure. I mean, if nothing mm-hmm. else, if you just isolate that, the Pistons had their most successful offseason ever, getting rid of John Lure, getting a first-round pick, and Tony Snell back. But I really like what they've done. Young guys showed out in the summer league, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun season. Yeah, I was looking at uh, depth charts for the other contending Eastern teams as far as one through eight go. We can get into that later. I like our bench compared to the other benches. I think some teams are struggling in depth. I mean, Toronto, uh, Boston's pretty young. Just some of those teams. I think our bench is one of the better benches, especially if we give in health-wise D-Rose, Markeith Morris. I really like the Christian Wood signing. I think he automatically slides to the backup center. We got a small sample size from last year, but I mean, I mean, he was still playing NBA players in the in the stats yeah. that he put up, and he he's young and he can actually shoot the three ball. Respect. I mean, he can he, he's going to be a stretch five, which is just something from Zaza Eric Moore that we haven't really got to enjoy. And I mean, Andre wants to be that five stretch five, but I mean, right. we don't know if that will be there. We'll, we'll see. But I agree with you on the uh, the ceiling as far as if we stay healthy, because health is definitely easily our biggest enemy come into the year, and I think that we're going to see a different approach on Blake Griffin in his in his load management because I think Markeith Morris' addition kind of addresses that. Because we, we thought that, you know, I don't think the front office has much faith in Thon, and, and I think yeah. that we can agree that that's a correct statement based on how he's played. But adding Markeith gives us that ability to slide him into the starting four when Blake needs a night off, and Blake can get a healthy DNP, and he'll actually give us a realistic chance of competing because obviously, I mean, you take Blake out of the, the lineup and we are a lot of steps backward as far as talent goes. But right. putting Markeith in there, if he's healthy, that gives us a realistic chance of winning the games. And, and I was just thinking of the games we can sit Blake out against, you know, teams like the Suns, teams like the Cavaliers, things like that, as far as middle to late in the season. Also, my voice was cracked. Happy 23-year-old wow. life. Uh, shout out to <laughs> the gods for That's that one. beautiful. <laughs> it was also mid-burp, so I'm going to blame it on that. It was kind of like a all-in-one bad thing happening. It's um, cool. It happens to the best of us. But I just wanted to address it. I didn't want to be the kind of guy who just hid from it, you know? Like, it happens, you know? Life's well, we crazy. we might as well talk about it more than now that we're talking about it. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm done with it now, unless you want to keep going. <laughs> no, it's over. It's done. But, yeah, what, 
you know, I was going to kind of talk about Blake Griffin in load management. That was one of the questions later on. But what do you think about that in this coming year? Are we going to see Casey trying to load manage Griffin? I think we should. Uh, you're totally right. Bringing in Marquise uh, gives us that flexibility. As long as Don is on the team still, you know, mm-hmm. I, I agree with what you said. That sort of bringing in uh, Keith and Christian Wood. And even Seku, who, you know, is going to be a three or a four, sort of depending on the day. Yeah. And I think, you know, if Don's still on the team, I think it's a, there's a lot of opportunity to give Blake a rest, throw Markeith in the lineup. You know, the problem we ran into last year is that who can create offense when Blake goes out. Mm-hmm. And in theory, a healthy Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond pick and roll sort of combination that, that we saw in 2015-16 can sort of create offense with Blake gone. But I think going into the year, hopefully this offseason gives the coaching staff, you know, time to prepare for that and hopefully be more prepared than than last year whenever Blake didn't play. And I, I think it's going to be a good time. And I think, you know, even if Blake plays the 75 games he played last year, I think it'll be more strategic and sprinkled throughout the season where he doesn't have the sort of wear and tear knee issues he had uh, this past season so I think it'll be good yeah and even going off of the, the offense without Blake I remember Andre was really coming to his own as a facilitator before Blake Griffin entered the picture that first half of two seasons ago you know he was at the top of the key just kind of watching his guys cut and I mean because he's a good he's a good playmaker he can make it he can make some good passes and find his find his teammates sometimes he tries a little too hard and yep. he gets down on himself for it but I like him in an offensive role as far as um, handing out assists and, and finding his teammates things like that but, totally, and yeah. even even just I think people undervalue the you know the importance of the coaching staff having another year with these players and mm-hmm. players having sure. another year with them. And you know, Casey has, knows a lot more what he has now than he did last season coming mm-hmm. in. You know, especially in terms of preparing for you know some games without Blake, how to utilize Blake and Luke at once, and you know all that sort of thing. So I think it's going to be really nice to have Casey have another offseason with this team. Well, and they have more talent. They have more selection, more ideas to go around because of just upgrading from Robinson, Zaza-ish to D-Rose, a quality backup center, and Wood, Markeith, and, I mean, the possibility of safety. I mean, we just have better talent, and that's just obvious. And I and I remember, I mean, what our, our over-under right now is, what, 35 wins? Is that what I was going so. around? And I, know, I saw last year, we it was 38, and we Beat it by three, but just to just to look at our roster now, and to say that we've regressed, we we're only expecting thirty-five. I don't understand that, and and I wish the national, I wish the media outside of Detroit would just kind of let us be. We don't care, yeah, you know. Right. <laughs> I even wish that some Pistons fans would understand that. <laughs> I mean, if you look at last season, the Pistons were on pace for around forty-eight wins if Ish were to stay healthy, mm-hmm. and that's really not even including Blake's, you know, last mm-hmm. couple weeks of the season. Ish going down was crazy hurtful last season. And the Pistons not only upgraded things, but, you know, it's, you know, they have depth now to, even with injuries, even if, you know, Blake goes down or he's load management or Derrick Rose doesn't play 82 games. We got depth now for the first time in a long time, which is going to really help, you know, if injuries happen. Hopefully they don't, but if they do, they're part of the game. You know, we're ready this time. Yeah, in. I'm gonna. I'm kind of afraid this season. I'll be honest. I mean, last season. I feel like last season I was more excited than I am this season. And not that I'm not excited, but realistically, we need to get at least a six seed in yep. the East. Like that's what we need. If not, we're we're pretty much done in the playoffs. For I sure. mean, yeah. This is a very you know pivotal season in terms of what's next. Depending mm-hmm. on how this season goes, going to lead a lot of the next probably five six years of Pistons basketball. I mean, I think we could get the 5-6, and we'll talk about that later with the predictions and things like that. But, I mean, you're going to have you're gonna have Milwaukee, Philly, probably the 1-2, and depending on some other moves and injuries, things like that. But if we can't keep Rose, Griffin healthy, then we're going to fall 7-8, maybe even fall out. And for that to happen, that would be something that even might change the roster outlook even more. Because then, yeah. do you look at Blake Griffin being moved? Do you try and just, you know what? We have some young talent. Let's try and get Blake out, get some more picks, some young guys. Because I don't know how much his value will be this time next year, depending on how he goes this year. But, I mean, I'm scared. I'm, I'm hopeful that the health, because, I mean, Derrick Rose is an amazing signing as far as financial matters go. 
when yep. you look at the other guards. I mean, we didn't really spend that much money on him. Given his production, too, last year, you know, 18 or whatever a game, he, he put good numbers in it, and we got him for a good price. But if he's not healthy, and Blake kind of has a falling out year, and we don't get the produ- production from Reggie, if, if he even gets hurt, you know, there's just a lot of things that could actually happen that I'm really scared about. But right. health-wise, if we stay healthy, I mean, yeah, I see us at a, at a 6-7 potential and spot. Even- on the other hand, it's sort of they put such a, a just like a solid team together, a solid group of role players, where they really mm-hmm. might be one Bradley Beal away from <laughs> from being a conference contender. You gotta say that I name, mean, they, don't you? They, yeah, they put themselves in a really good spot to go one of the mm-hmm. two ways. I mean, you know, if the season's going terribly and it's time to blow it up, which I doubt that'll happen, mm-hmm. but if it's time to do it, you're in a good spot to do so. But on the other hand, if things are going well, you swing for the fences, you're in a good spot with that player coming in and the solid group of role guys around them. Either way, I think the Pistons are in an exponentially better spot than they've been in the last decade. Hey, and given our packages we can offer to teams like Washington, like San Antonio, I know that DeMar has been going on too. Do you realistically think that Troy can actually pull a Beal or DeRozan trade off? Yeah, I, I think DeRozan, they could. I think Beal, they're going to be in the conversation. It, it depends who wants him. I mean, I think the mm-hmm. Pistons have the assets where if they wanted to go all in like the Clippers did with Paul George and the Kawhi package where they sort of gave a record number of picks. And young guys, like, Pistons can do that. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it? Not if he doesn't sign the extension. Yeah. But I think Pistons are in a position where they can give up everything and it would be enough. Can they give up less than everything and have it be enough? I really don't know. I think we could pretty easily get outbid by like the Nuggets, even the Pelicans. But I think they're going to be in the conversation. Okay. And I think with DeRozan, because he, he has a player option coming up this summer, and chances are he'll opt out because he'll end up being the top free agent next summer. Yeah. So he turns into sort of a one-year rental unless you extend him. So how much are teams going to be willing to get give up for him? And, you know, so I think Pistons can get in on the DeRozan bidding war and come out winning if they think it's worth it. But the Beal situation is going to be tough. But we'll see. I'm hopeful a little bit. I just can't fathom in my head that Detroit could pull it off, honestly, just because of our, our past. But with, with Ed right. there, I think that, you know, he's shown us that anything can happen and he can make anything happen. So, I mean, there's hope, especially with the new front office there. But... Let's move over to Andre and his uh, video servicing. And he loves, I mean, he loves to put it on social media, show everyone that, hey, I'm working on my three. Last year, last summer, it was all about his three-pointer. I realistically thought he was going to go into the season and actually hit some threes. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, right there with you. <laughs> I remember, was it was it Minnesota last year? There was one game where he had like a crossover step-back three at the end of a shot clock. That blew my mind. And it was like that, money. Yeah. And that, gosh, give me more of that. If you're going to shoot three, man, just... Give us something. But what what do you think about that? Do you think there's actually going to be improving in that role of his game? Or do you think we've already really seen his ceiling and this is just kind of fool's goal as far as he's going to hit threes this year? I, I think there will be improvement. I mean, look at guys like Mark Gasol, um, Jonas Valachunas even, and Brooke Lopez, who's now Mr. Splash Mountain over here. <laughs> I mean, those guys were not shooting any threes early mm-hmm. in their career. And this is definitely a newer development. And I think Drummond... His form looks a lot better. Looks There's good. a higher release point. Mm-hmm. And if you if you saw the videos, you know, Sean Sweeney, Pistons assistant coach, is mm-hmm. right there with him. So I, I'm assuming it's something that the coaching staff wants him to work on. Mm-hmm. And he's being supervised, and they're helping him through it. And, you know, Casey's staff is, you know, they're, they're, they're one of the best developmental teams in the league. And so I trust another full offseason under Casey. You know, even even if he's putting up a corner three a game and it's going in every other game or something something like that. Like, I think, or even if he's shooting close to, like, even close to 30% this first year. I mean, mm-hmm. this is something that can open up his game in the future. Like, I think this year is going to be low usage, but maybe close to 28 to 30%, which isn't great on the surface, but it's another threat. And I think that'll only get better. And Andre adding that, he's thinking about that contract year because he's probably not opting in. And if he adds this to his arsenal, I mean, teams will notice that. Because I think, I even listened to a podcast from The Athletic yesterday, and they were debating whether they would rather have Andre Drummond or Bam Adebayo right now. Wow. And the majority took Bam. 
and be, because they don't think that Andre really has a post game. They think his rebounds are fake. That you know they're kind of just like a no one's around him. He's just getting the boards. Not a big deal. I don't think I don't think they've watched him if they think his rebounds no. are fake. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, that that's the outside media narrative that I'm tired of. You know, and yeah. that needs to just kind of just just let us. Let us go through whatever we have to go through alone, you know, together with real fans and not these fake people who don't watch a game. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I understand the whole, you know, limited post-game situation, but, but you know, yeah. discounting his rebounds. Yeah, no. He creates so many second-chance yes. opportunities. I mean, yes. offensive rebounds literally can't be fake. Yes. And he leads the league every year in that, so. Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah, it's, it's trash. But, yeah, I think I would be fine with him shooting one or two, you know, at least for the first 20, 30 games. See how it goes. If he improves, he improves. We can, you know, build off of that. If not, we got a backup center's gonna come in and hit some. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's sort of what happened last year. He really stopped shooting threes after the first mm-hmm. twenty games or so, when it wasn't falling. So I'm totally down to to try it out the first twenty twenty five games again and see what happens. But again, his his release point looks good now, mm-hmm. and, and I'm I'm excited to see what it'll look like with another couple months of work. And I think the mental part is also important as far as confidence goes going into because no one's going to expect this man to hit anything outside of the restricted area. Right. Um, and so I mean, if he's actually confident and thinks you know I can do this, I've improved, I'm confident in my shot. Then yeah, I'll just go for it. I wonder what Casey thinks about it because I know Casey. I remember Andre taking the ball up a few times, you know, kind of trying to be yeah. the the point guard center, and Casey did not like that. And, yeah. And I, I'm sure he's all about Andre developing to try and try to make some threes in the season, but. I don't know if he's, you know, he'll probably pull the plug after a few games, just a certain amount of games. The next right. game, I mean, if Andre. Yeah. The, the reason I do think Casey would be for it, at least early on, is because, you know, look at his last season in Toronto, where Valachunas started shooting more threes. Mm-hmm. And again, with Sean Sweeney there with Dre, you know, I, I feel like that just signals that it's something the coaching staff is all for and, and is going to throw what they can at it. But, I mean, Casey, you know, at least the first quarter of the season, it, it feels like feels like he'll be down for it. Yeah, I agree. And let's move to uh, Blake Griffin. And we, we got some fun tweets from that Legion Hoops account as far as trying to <laughs> get... Also, Chicago? Like, come on. Give me something realistic. Chicago has a good young core, but that doesn't make any sense in my eyes yeah. to do that. But, I mean, okay, devil's advocate here. You know, we probably have two more years of Blake Griffin as far as he's going to give good value. He's going to provide good stats and be a, a difference maker on a team. Sure. So... If we, I mean, I love Blake. I'm curious to see what we could get back for him. If I could see sure. some trade packages, I would maybe think about it because once Blake is done, then, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen. We could very well trade for someone big. We could do this or that. NBA is crazy. We can't predict anything. Yeah. But our roster post Blake, maybe Andre gone, Reggie's probably gone. What kind of rebuild are we going to be in? You know, if you could look at the packages right now and think, okay, we can get good solid contributors back that can still help go toward a playoff and we're in better position for the future. I mean, is it the worst thing in the world to at least maybe talk about? And, and I know the front office made those moves this offseason solely because we're trying to build around Blake and Andre and Reggie and, and make right. whatever run we can. But, I mean, is it the worst thing in the world to just, you know, put it out there and just see what could come back while he still has this value? and prove you that know, he can still yeah. play more than people expected? You know, I think you, you definitely listen to what people are saying. I don't think you actively go out and, you know, mm-hmm. even, you know, imply that he's available. Because on one hand, absolutely right. You know, it's realistic to believe there's probably two, maybe three years left of, of effective Blake. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, look, I, I compare Blake and LeBron in terms of their like late career transition. Mm-hmm. In terms of adapting their game, less physical, less athletic, you know, less pounding on the knees, and they just became better shooters. And Blake became a better shooter than LeBron. Mm-hmm. And I really think Blake's game is going to age well because of that. I mean, just looking at the improvements from last year to the season before is insane. Yeah, and you know the fact that he had probably his best statistical year of his career last mm-hmm. season is amazing. And so I think, you know, you definitely don't really consider anything right now. Because, again, like I said earlier, I really think you're, you know, a Bradley Bill away from conference contention, maybe mm-hmm. more. I mean, you look, you never know. If you can compete in your conference, chances are you're competing for a championship. And you, as we saw last, last finals, you know, you never know what happens. Mm-hmm. 
But on the other hand, a package that I think that you you consider if the season goes off the rails by the trade deadline and if Drummond's going to opt out and Reggie's leaving and he's not playing well, you know, I think you do consider what you can get. And I think that package has to be, like, proven young players. I mean, we're talking, yeah. like, the Chicago deal would make more sense for us than the Bulls in any situation mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if you're talking getting a Zach Levine and draft picks and maybe, you know, they probably wouldn't give up Wendell, but I guess if they are trading for Blake, maybe they would. But, you know, like, guys like that who have shown that they can play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Some young guys like that. And I think that's the package that you think about if the season's off the rails and this thing just isn't working. And, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. And I'm all about riding Blake and riding this roster in hopes that we get, you know, that second piece. But if we don't ever get that, if we can't land that piece and the front office knows that, especially with free agency looking so dim next offseason, I mean, because we don't know what Blake's going to be after this year. If he, you know, actually played healthy, actually stayed healthy for the playoffs, we actually won a few games. Because, I mean, I was telling someone today, I was like, for us, I mean, the outsiders think Detroit has no chance at a championship. They're not even worth watching. But for Piston fans like you and I, we just want yeah. it. At most, I just want a first-round win. Like that's, I would be perfectly content with getting out of the first round. And I would yeah. even take a few wins. Obviously, that's not what a goal should be for an organization. But if we hit that mark, then I'm, I'm happy. That gives me some hope. That gives me some pleasure. And I, I can actually enjoy it. So... I would love to see us land someone big to put with Blake and, and put us up in that you know top four contending spot. But yeah, for me, like honestly, just give me some wins, man. Get get us out of the worst consecutive losses in playoff history. Talk. Yes, please. I mean, I'm fine with a few wins in the first round, and if we go seven eight seed, man, <laughs> Milwaukee, Philly, good luck, guys. Like, yeah, maybe we can that, win that's one. That's not ideal. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's my take. I mean, I I think Blake. Is amazing. I love Blake Griffin so much, and I was, you know, I'm I'm still in all we have him on our roster, especially oh, after yeah. last year. I go watch his hides all the time, so I don't want to trade him. But I, I would be curious, you know, we'd see what we could get. Yeah, of course. Just, just and and I mean, something else to keep an eye on this year is, you know, w- whether we go into dumpster fire rebuild mode or whether we're, you know, contending for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's just the growth of the young guys. I mean, true. In theory. Luke Kennard coming off a fantastic playoff experience mm-hmm. should take a next step forward. Bruce Brown, you know, he still needs a shot, but he could take, you know, a little a little step offensively forward, and he's always going to be a great defender. And then what do you get from Spee and Kyrie and Seku, you know, who are fighting for the backup small forward spot? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just something to keep an eye on. If that could go towards the other part of your question with what does the roster look like in a few years after Blake? Mm-hmm. And and those young guys have a lot to do with that. That's true. And Bruce's shot still looks a little raw, a little off from yeah. his uh, yep. <laughs> his three pointers he shot. And those are those are tough to watch. I'll be honest. But even Drummond, yeah, he can, yeah, Drummond's new form looks better than Bruce's old form. <laughs> they need to have a little powwow and, and try to meet in the middle as far as spreading their talent to each other. Um, but I think Bruce can get to the basket, and I think that he'll probably utilize that even more this year. Because he's aggressive, he, he's stronger than people give credit. Yeah, he has a really quick first step, too. I mean, he got to the basket a decent amount last year. He just mm-hmm. couldn't finish. But yeah. it sounds like he addressed it. You know, I, I was reading uh, James Edwards III's athletic article uh, interviewing Bruce. And he was talking about how essentially they pinpointed why he wasn't finishing. They addressed it, and mm. now it's looking better. So we'll see. Hopefully he can take that next step. Yeah, and quick thoughts on the uh, 2K rating of Blade Griffin. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's a little low, the 88. I mm-hmm. think it should be a 90. I don't know that it should be higher than that at this point, but, I mean, we're talking. The thing is, it's like if the Pistons won more games, yeah. Blake would have been in the MVP conversation, and, you know, and he would have had a higher rating. So it's just sort of a bummer the Pistons didn't win as much. But Blake should be a 90. Yeah, and I, I agree with the 89-90. I, I think it was either Laz or, Sha- or Sham on Twitter pointing out that they still made him a top 15 guy in the league based on the uh, ratings. And so right. I think that that's, you know, that, that's high praise and that's respectability and noticing his game last year. So yeah. I'm For not. Sure. I don't exactly hate it. I think it could be at one or one or two points higher. But yeah. Yeah. Totally agreed. Okay. So 
we are going to quickly talk about our Eastern Conference predictions, and then we're going to get into Twitter questions. So should you go first? You want to go first or what? Uh, you go for it. All right. So honestly, I think three through eight can kind of just go whatever way. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I had a little trouble putting that together, but I, I feel okay with my picks. But I'm going to go Milwaukee 1, Philly 2, Brooklyn, Boston, Indiana, Toronto, Miami, Detroit, Orlando. I put Detroit the 7th seed. Kind of my realistic, maybe maybe 6. I don't know. I don't know if we can stay exactly as healthy as we need to be this year. But sure. that's kind of my top A. What are yours? Okay. All right. So, we got, we got some difference here. So, I go Milwaukee, <laughs> Philly 1-2. And then I got Indiana going three, okay. Brooklyn four, Boston five, Pistons at six, and then the Raptors and Heat to close it out. Okay. But I think Orlando, Atlanta, and Chicago are going to be fighting okay. for the eighth spot too. And see, I even listened to that pod. I mean, the pod was just disrespectful to Detroit left and right from the Athletic yesterday or two days ago. <laughs> they were saying Orlando is better than Detroit. No. And... I mean, they just don't. They don't understand. They don't get it. It's fine. I mean, get, you know, I'll, I'll pray for them. I hope they can open their eyes better next time. But the, okay, the reason why I took Brooklyn at the uh, at the third because I had Boston there first actually, and then I went to Brooklyn. Their their bench, their depth is pretty good. Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, DeAndre Jarrett maybe swapping out starting roles. I don't know. I don't know why they really brought DeAndre in. Yeah, I don't know why Jarrett was playing in the summer league, but you know, <laughs> some questions we'll never know the answer I mean, to. Costello, rest in peace, man. That was a tough. That was a tough bout. I mean, anyway, I mean that's just that's Boban playing summer league ball. Who's gonna stop that man? You know, right? Exactly. <laughs> but I really love Dinwiddie. Uh, I mean, obviously Katie's not gonna be there. But I mean, even Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Garrett Temple. I can't say this guy's name. Karooks, Karaks, whatever that guy. I think he was a what first second year guy last year. Yep. And he, I mean, he's a solid young player. I think they're they're pretty set at the uh, starting and bench positioning. But also Indiana has some good guys coming up too. I mean, we'll see. It's really all about Old Depot how he comes back. Right, uh, exactly. They they could go anywhere from three to seven, in my opinion. Yeah, in Miami too. I mean, if they end up getting that Chris Paul or that that other big name to pair with Jimmy, because if not, I mean, their roster is it's not that great. It's right, not. That, yeah, that's why I haven't been eight. It's like without mm-hmm. any other moves. I, like Jimmy's a great player. Yeah. But I don't know how many games he can win for them. Yeah. And then Toronto, I mean, their starting five is still solid, but their bench is not exactly ideal. Right. Uh, so, I mean, there's just a few of those teams that are probably going to end up making moves, you know, at the de- deadline. Some some Wayne Ellington-esque moves that we made to try and, you know, give us a little push toward the playoff run. So, I feel pretty confident about Milwaukee, Philly. And then I, th- I think the three Brooklyn, Boston, Indy will kind of, you know, hover around those three through five. And then Absolutely. The, yeah. Yep. And the six, seven, eight. I don't really know, honestly. And Orlando didn't really do anything besides yeah. Aminu, which he's not really a needle mover. <laughs> I said needle mover. No. <laughs> a needle. He doesn't really move the needle. I should never say needle mover. That just doesn't even sound good. I mean, he can he can move a needle if he needs to, you know? It's not really hard. Right. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to... But, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I don't know why Orlando is supposedly better than us, but... It, it, yeah, it's I mean, just, like, yeah. they were they were decent last year. They brought back their key guys. Like, that's great, and you have to in that case. But, like, yeah. they gave a lot of money to Vucevic and Ross for, mm-hmm. for you know, for a 7-8 spot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really impressed. I mean, and I think that the, the pod guys were, were considering that they don't think we'll stay healthy, and I think that's kind of the outlook amongst the outside Pistons world, you know, just the, the national attention. They're going to write us off because they don't think we can stay healthy. They think that Blake will do well, Andre will do well, but other than that, no, we don't stand a chance. So we'll see. I hope that we can prove people wrong in totally. that. But let's move into some Twitter questions now. The first one's from Luke Helms. He asks, who do you expect to come out of the East, and who do you most look forward to facing from either conference? How about you go first on this one? So coming out of the East, I think it's going to be uh, Milwaukee. I thought so last year. I was completely wrong. But I just don't think Philadelphia in the playoffs is going to have spacing to do what they need to do. But we'll see. I anticipate they'll make some moves at the deadline. Um, Team I'm looking forward to facing, I'm kind of pumped to face the Celtics. Um, We're going to have problems because of all the wing guys. Mm -hmm. But I think that the Celtics have the most room to go up or down, depending on how good Hayward is, depending on how good... 
Brown and Tatum are taking steps forward or back like last year. So I'm intrigued to see what the Celtics look like this year. Um, Even though that's probably not the popular opinion on who I'm looking forward to, I'm intrigued. Okay. And then what do you think about from the Western Conference? Oof, Western Conference. Uh, I got to go with the Clippers. Okay. I don't think they're going to be the one seed because I think Kawhi's going to get his games off. I think Paul George is going to get some games off. But I think they ultimately come playoff time. I mean, we saw what Kawhi just did with a lot of good role players in Toronto, but no other star. Mm. Um, And I think with Paul George and that that team's defense between them and Beverly is going to be crazy. And And I don't think that that's going to stop them in the playoffs yeah they're absolutely loaded defensive wise so i okay we had different opinions on this a little bit i picked milwaukee and honestly i think philly goes further than milwaukee okay i think that they will figure things out they may retool a little bit maybe i mean they're probably set with the majority of the roster but there's so much talent on that roster and i think that they will just have it figured out by some playoff time i think milwaukee takes a one seed though going in i think Giannis right. will just you know single-handedly fight for that one seed and take it from everyone else but philly's starting five is just unreal it's hard to wrap your mind around it. i'd rather have jj reddick there than josh richardson but yeah but richardson was a great guy yes losing jimmy yes especially when no one even yeah for jimmy and as far as jj goes no one even saw that coming from a thousand miles away Literally, yeah. the fact that it dropped the first minute of free agency makes you think about some things there. <laughs> like, like, how did that yeah. possibly happen? You know, you think, you think, yeah, Griffin just called him up, like, hang on, I can play here? The first minute, it's like, all right, yeah, sure, I'll come. I mean, it just can't go like that. I know. You know, I actually changed my answer. I'm excited to play the Pelicans because okay. I'm not even thinking about Zion. They've yeah. just done such a phenomenal job yeah. of moving on from AD, and I think they'll be competing for the playoffs, mm-hmm. honestly. I think that the I wrote this in an article a few days ago. I think the uh, Griffin's the running executive of the year for this year, even given the Clippers moves and all that. And the JJ Redick move may be the move that puts them into that final seed in the West. Right. Because you know we were all talking about they have no shooting at all. It's all defense, no shooting. And then you had JJ there, and it kind of changes things a little bit. So I think they're going to be respected. I think that they're not going to be taken lightly, and they may be that, they'll be that fun sleeper team in yeah. the West that you'll want to watch every night. I mean, if exactly. Zion actually proves to be the Zion that we think he may be, if he stops eating all the uh, croissants and desserts in New Orleans, <laughs> maybe we'll get somewhere. That New Orleans food. <laughs> yeah. For me, looking forward to facing from either conference, I went Milwaukee because I think that Detroit should be absolutely pissed off with Milwaukee. We yeah. literally could not beat them to save our lives. We had a terrible bench. We go into this year with a much improved roster. We should be hungry. Andre should be so hungry to play them. He didn't have a great showing against them in the playoffs. I, I just think that they're going to go in and have a, just a different mindset. It's one of those nights. It's like a Blake Griffin going to the L.A. nights. You, the guys should be locked in, and they should and, want to take yeah. some games from them. And it's a potential and, number yeah. one seed team you're facing. You know, you kind of see where your team is at at the moment. So right, and the Pistons have wings that they didn't have last year. I mean, last year yeah. they didn't. They literally didn't have anyone to guard Giannis <laughs> in the playoffs. Oh, Wayne Ellington, man, that's just. <laughs> I could. I mean, looking at that roster, it's kind of funny, you know. Even being a few months removed from it, it's kind of amazing how we do the things we did with the way it was tooled. Man, I know. And as far as Western, oh, actually, I had some jokes. Some, I, I jokingly, you want to face the Hornets and Suns from both conferences all the time. If the Hornets beat us this year, if we have trouble with the Hornets this year, I'm gonna be very upset. I'm going. It's funny because every year we have trouble with the Hornets, uh, and I'm really nervous going into this year against the Hornets. If Scary Terry drops thirty on us, man, I'm not gonna be able to handle it. I, I can't. Yeah, I gotta quit. I can't deal. And the Suns, I heard a thing on the low post. That Phoenix was 14 games behind the 14 seed last year in the West. And that oh that just made me laugh so hard. I mean, honestly. Phoenix, I mean, <laughs> I, I actually liked Jeff Bauer when he was here. I thought he made yeah. great moves. Great, yeah. not free agency. Let me correct myself. I thought <laughs> yeah, he made great on. trades. Slow down a little bit. But he just went to Phoenix and just was like, I forgot <laughs> how to do anything, I guess. Oh, man. I, mean, I don't know what's going and on. And James over there. Jones there is there too, right? Suspense. James Jones is one of the leaders over there. How did he get that position <laughs> from going literally from playing to in the front office? That's I don't know, but I remember seeing an article before the draft saying that James Jones like doesn't believe in scouting or something. Good. And I think uh, we saw I it with Josh that, Jackson you know, probably. It's evident, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a dumpster fire. I'm glad that we're slowly re- removing ourselves from that tier of just joke of a franchise. 
But, I know. Let me ask you real quick, speaking okay. about the Suns, do you think Devin Booker is going to ask out anytime soon? He has to, right? I mean, I think so. Given that he's younger, and you look at some of these, I mean, Kimba, I don't know how, how old Booker is, what, 24 maybe? 23, 24? Sure. Yeah, somewhere, sure. somewhere in that, somewhere in that range. Just guys ID a few years ago, you know, you can finally drink things like that. Right. Uh, looking at Kimba, I mean, 29 years old, finally getting an opportunity where he can actually, you know, do something in the postseason and have a good team around him. If you're Devin Booker, you can't possibly think that they're going to build around you and actually give you good pieces. Aiden's not a bad piece; he's a traditional center. Uh, Booker, I mean, rookie Rubio, I mean, okay, big three. They got a big three. You know, maybe, maybe they're going to compete next year. Maybe I'm just discrediting them. Ricky Rubio's going to start hitting threes. Burger's going to drop yeah, 50 a night. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to buy him a league pass now. I just talked myself into it. Uh, uh, let's do it. <laughs> we're going to split that, though. I can't fully go in on that. Oh, that's, no, for sure. Yeah, it's no, a bad investment. <laughs> but he's got to. I feel like he has to ask out. I think yeah. him leaving would also improve his gameplay and his talent as well. Because he'll finally get around good pieces. He'll adapt. Yeah. And I think it'll well, be, be in a competitive environment for yeah. the first time yeah. in the NBA. Yeah, true. Yeah, he should ask out. You know, for sure. Ask out to Detroit. You know, what can go wrong? Yeah, we'll we let him know. We don't I'll need DeMar. Yeah, give him that $5 that you already spent. Maybe that'll work. <laughs> I'll, I'll just scour the streets of LA to find another one. I mean, surely you can find a $5 bill somewhere. You know? I mean, <laughs> I'll it's make something. it happen if I have to. <laughs> just sit, okay, three nights in a row at McDonald's. You're camping out. There's got to be some coins flying underneath some areas of the you know the counter things like that true i could collect coins yeah okay i'll do it i'm in <laughs> there's probably better ideas but that's first one in my head so we'll just go with that, that might take longer than three ideas. nights that's perfect might be a two-week ordeal i want to bring some some change of clothes <laughs> okay <laughs> anyways uh let's go with kyle brandon's question he says or he asks what kind of production do you expect from Sfi this season and then what should coach casey's priorities be going into the season and i'll start with this I like Svi. We don't really know what we're going to get from him yet, obviously. I kind of see it happening similar to the way we use Glenn Robinson. Svi's not starting, but I think he's going to be looked at early on in case he's going to kind of give him that, you know, stretch that leash out a little bit for him, see how he does. If he comes in, we also are pretty thin at, at shooting at small forwards, so Sekou right. might not really be ready for a while to actually give us good minutes, but I think they'll look at Svi and give him the opportunity, and if he squanders it, I think he may find his way back on, you know, that reserve role. Maybe we'll use him. Maybe we won't. Uh, right. What do you think about that? I think uh, I actually think he's going to be the most ready of all of our backup wings. And by yeah. that, I just mean him and Seiko because they're pretty much the only options. And I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think, you know, it, it's I'm really looking forward to preseason now to see mm-hmm. sort of what he can do. Okay. Because he showed in the summer league, he you know he's a good ball handler. Obviously, he's a good shooter. Yeah. Needs to be a better finisher. Needs better shot selection. But I think you know I think he's going to get the first look over Seku. Um, sure. You know Seku did look a little raw in the summer league, and I, I think yeah. granted he got like twelve minutes. Yeah. But I think he's going to get the first look, and Seku's going to play in, in the preseason. And if he can prove something there, I think Seku will win it over Speed because of his defense. If his defense is exponentially yeah. better than it was the other day in the summer league. But I think I think Speed's going to be able to hit shots for you. I mean, you know, coming off the bench, in theory, it's going to be Derrick Rose, Luke, and Marquise Morris, you know, and Christian Wood. And Speed, actually, now that I think about it, might fit in better just in terms of another shooter because Luke and Derrick can create shots. And you throw another shooter out there. If Speed can play some defense, I think he wins that backup spot. And we know that Casey loves defense first, and Seiko didn't really show that in his limited minutes. His feet weren't ever really set. He couldn't really keep up with the guys. So I think Speed will get the look, and he's never had the opportunity to prove anything. So I think that just already the organization showing him that, you know, we, we believe in you, we're ready to put you in there, that might help with his confidence, his mentality of, you know, people actually believe in me. Let me prove them right. Yeah, I'm excited. I think I think Speed will obviously be the first look as well. Uh, just because of limited people there. But we got to get moving a little bit. We are just talking, talking, talking. <laughs> so as far as Casey's priorities, I'm going to quickly just say, I mean, you got to look at Blake Griffin and load management. That's got to be number one priority, keeping him healthy. I think that you have to best utilize the rotation of the, the shooters on the roster if Langston's still there. How do you look at Kyrie over Langston, Langston over Kyrie, then Speed and Seiku? Figure out your best way of doing that. As far as the, the one through three positions go, we obviously have the one set barring injury, but the two 
two and three spots. I think that's pretty important. And quickly, what do you think about his priorities as well? Yeah, I agree with you there. I think uh, load management is definitely going to be big. I think, you know, if he does this, I think giving the young guys looks early is going to be pretty big. Mm-hmm. And also, a really big thing that he needs to figure out this summer, and I think he will, is how to make Reggie, Luke, and Blake work on the floor together at the same time. True. Because, you know, in the playoffs during the regular season, whenever Luke would start or whenever he was on the floor with them, Luke's just standing in the corner doing yeah. nothing. That can't yeah. happen. Luke's our second best scorer. you got to make those three work. And looking at the roster now with Bruce, the, the two, he's a better defender, better on-ball guy. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm fine with Kennard off the bench. If we give him the amount of minutes and kind of – because I, I don't see it working, you know, with him and Dre and Blake, those guys and Reggie. There's just too much shots to go around. So if, if you give him the good amount of minutes and bring him off the bench, I think he can still be huge. And that kind of goes into the next question from Pistons Vibes, is how much of a contribution do you see the bench having this year? And I, I think it's massive, especially if yes. Blake's rested on, on multiple days and you're going to have Marquis slide in the starting four spot and have Thon kind of, you know, try and be a backup, be productive. You know, you're going to have D-Rose probably splitting minutes with Reggie like Ish did last year. D-Rose probably close some games out. Kennard's obviously, like you said, the second best shooter. He's huge. Yeah, so that's what I see. What do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you bring in Derrick Rose coming off an 18-point season. You got Luke, and I agree. I do think Luke should come off the bench and play 30-plus minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those two combined could give you 30 off the bench every single night. Yeah. And, you know, that's not even including Marquise, who's going to give you some. We're not sure what we'll get from Spears Seku yet, but, mm-hmm. you know, factor in a little bit from them. And then Christian Wood is just a solid defender, solid rebounder. You know, the he's rest young. is gravy. He's young. I love that. It, yeah. And so, you know, hopefully he can replicate his, his big scoring performances <laughs> in New Orleans and the yeah. G League. But yeah. at the very least, the bench is going to be exponentially better than yes. last season. Yes. And that should just get fans excited in itself right there. And so. Yeah. And also, next question from Brandon Engel. Would a solid season of Reggie be enough to be our starting point guard come 2020? And quickly, I'll just put my little thing in. I mean, you, you, I looked at the free agents from every single team for next year, and there's about six point guards who are worth looking at, and three of them aren't probably better than Reggie. And obviously, Lowry's your top choice. Uh, Jeff T is going to be there. I don't remember if he had an option or not on that. Drogic's free agent. Then when he's got a player option, I'm sure he wouldn't. I don't know how he feels about Detroit right now. I mean, we have new management, so maybe it could be one of those Russell things, how he was open to going back to L.A., Right. And then Rondo player option, then you got DJ obviously in IT. So, yeah, I think everyone's kind of done with him, and the front office is kind of showing they're trying to move him, trying to be done with him. Our options aren't the best for 2020, and I think that we like to put our money in other players and a starting point guard, uh, right. throw our money elsewhere, and a shooting guard, small forward, things like that. So what do you think about that? I, I think it is enough. I mean, it, but it depends on where we are. You know, if, yeah. if we end the season – things didn't go well Drummond leaves you know you have a different conversation but Mm. it it really I mean you know in theory like let's say this team wins 48 games which you know is a little high but it's not impossible as I said earlier it's like with with Ish playing 82 games last year they were on pace for about that and they've gotten better so you win 48 games you win a playoff series you know if there aren't better options yeah it could it could be worth bringing them back and don't get me wrong I've really not loved Reggie over the past two seasons, just like everybody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. But I can acknowledge that, you know, he got better as the season went on. He was great in 15-16. He has his first healthy offseason in a while. Yeah. And so I do think it would be enough. But, you know, a lot of things have to happen for that to happen. And I remember watching Game 4 between the Pistons and Bucks in Reggie's first half. I mean, he was just energetic. He was contributing well in that put-back dunk he had in the half. I mean, that's the kind of Reggie that we saw, I mean, two or three years ago when he, when he was healthy and had that solid campaign. So I wouldn't mind bringing that Reggie back, you know, depending on where we're at situation. I'm curious to see what Larry's market will be. Right. Because, you know, put him on a two-year contract with Blake, line him up a little bit. I mean, I mean, he put up 15 in 24 playoff games last year, put up 15, five boards, seven assists on 36% from three. He, he finally came through. Let's just say that. You know, there's very well could not yeah. come through next year, but he gave offense, and he was the guy that you could rely on, even at 33 years old. So I'd be curious, right. you know, if we could line him up with Blake, maybe. I mean, I don't know what his mark's going to be. He'll be 34. Surely he's not going to be getting more than two or three years. Right. Um, and even going back to Reggie for one sec, I, I think 
something that, that people don't necessarily realize is that, you know, Blake came in, Casey came in, Reggie, your lead point guard, has to make the biggest adjustments, mm-hmm. and he's not healthy to start this all off. So I think, you know, what we saw in the playoffs was competent Reggie sort of knowing his place for the first yeah. time, being healthy and knowing yeah. his place. And I think that's huge. And I'm really, you know, I'm all for moving him in, in a bigger deal for a wing or something like that. But I really think he's going to show us something this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm open to keeping him, depending on how he does. But next, our biggest question of the of the pod from the official Detroit Pistons account, because they think we're important. It's that obvious. <laughs> they took the time to give us eight words in a tweet, so we're obviously. Man, I good. love their their social media team. Yeah, it's amazing. But they asked us to create our all time Pistons starting five. So I'll let you go first on this one. Okay, so you know, the the child in me wanted to just throw the O four Pistons starting five and call it a day. True. I won't do that. So I'm gonna go with at the one and two. You gotta go Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars. Okay. At the three, you gotta go Grant Hill. I really don't think there's another option. I mean, healthy Grant Hill in Detroit was, you know, if if he sustained that, would have went down as one of the best players of all time. Yeah. And then I rounded out with the Walls brothers. You gotta go, okay. Sheep and Ben. Okay. Interesting. So we have a little different things at the one Isaiah Thomas, not the Washington Wizards, about to be All Star Isaiah Thomas, not that one, but the, <laughs> you know, the the one that we know. Uh, the two, I mean. I didn't watch Bing at all, but he's got a pretty good record, a pretty good resume. Right. I mean, True. you can't really ignore that. And I had Dumars nope. first, but I put Bing in over that. And I had Grant Hill the three. Okay, at the four, I put Blake Griffin. Okay. But I'm talking about just the healthiest Blake we'd get. Like, if he didn't have any prior injuries and he gave us the year that we saw last year, along with a healthy body, I love that play. And I, and I just love when he plays like that. Oh, yeah. So, oh, I totally agree. I mean, give me one more season of that, Blake, and he's on uh, the list. Yes, for sure. So I put him at the four, and then I put Ben Wallace at the five. I mean, obviously, you got to go with the fro. So now for the fun part of this, uh, the all-troll starting five. We have we had so much selection to choose from. I kind of tried to go with players that I knew and watched instead of just, because the list is endless as far as right. the failures that came through Detroit. I'll start us out, because, you know, say the best for last, obviously. But, <laughs> all right, so at the point guard... Josh Smith. Beautiful. And totally in position. He has to average three pull-up threes a game where he literally just dribbles up the court in hoist one. It's like 2K when you tell your buddy, like, all right, whoever can hit a half-court shot first wins. That's kind of what I want in Josh. A little bit in front of the half-court. It's like he has to do that. <laughs> and I think that yeah. would be comedy. Works in for itself. Me. It's kind of like comedy that big three brings. You know, like, I wouldn't pay to see Josh Smith hoist those, but I would watch. I mean, that would be entertaining. <laughs> At the two, I put Rodney White just because he he was a ninth overall pick in 01. Only lasted one season in Detroit. Yeah. And we passed up on guys like Joe Johnson, Parker, Zebo. Obviously, that isn't as relevant as it sounds. But the fact that, like, Darko Milicic lasted more than Rodney White. Just put that in your head. And I understand, like, scenarios are a little different there. Darko could stay on because we didn't really need someone else in this spot. But one season in Detroit's a failure, being a yeah. top 10 pick. See, so I had to put him there. At the three, my, my boy Kyle Sangler. Nice. <laughs> just, he just looked like a scruff from day one. Looked like a guy that was pulled from the YMCA. We just needed yeah. a body, and we just gave him, you know, you, you, we'll give you 20 bucks a day if you stay with us. We don't really have anything better. Uh, so Kyle Sangler, you got to go with him. Just absolute disaster. Uh, at the four, I, I have a little body morph. I want to put Austin Day and Charlie B together in one. Okay. Uh, okay, I respect it. I mean, I don't know how that look, and I don't really want to like do like a, a thing of thinking of what that would even look like. But yeah, let's not. It's just they're both too good not to not to talk about. And obviously, the the day was just kind of a bust. Charlie B was more of a pay too much money for a guy who had one good season, really. But just them together, six six eleven. I think Charlie B is close to seven foot as well. Austin was six eleven, a three four right. guy. Which honestly, I was just thinking about. A 6'11", small forward, I kind of think about Seiku a little bit as far as he'll probably grow up more inches. Don't want to compare the two at all, but Seiku will be will be probably an inch or two taller, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I even Hopefully. grew in 23 now. When I was 18, I grew a few inches from then. So maybe the guys just blessed me and wanted me to go pro. But I think Seiku will grow a few inches. Anyways, yeah, off it's topic. never too late for you either. <laughs> hey, never too late. Age 30, I'm going to call it, but we'll see. <laughs> Okay, at the five, I had to go a mix of Zaza and Darko. 
Zaza, I could not stand watching that guy. He had a few good games, but literally the refs hated his guts every game. He would oh, yeah. touch another player and get called for a foul immediately. He was just a bad on-court guy. He was just more of that, he was ready to be a mentor more than an actual player. I just love that we're gone with him and Jose entirely. Oh Amazing. my gosh, and then yes. Darko, you know, goes down to one of the worst picks ever in Piston history, obviously. So, Of course. Okay, there's my top five. Just to recap, Josh Smith, Rodney White, Singler, Dave Villanueva mix, and Pachulia, <laughs> Pachulia Milicic mix, which would just make a bad batch of basketball. Yeah, but, this right. would be one. Like, I mean, this is something <laughs> that I don't think anybody would go into the arena, no matter what team was playing them. They would probably end up playing in like an outdoor quarter with like bleachers and probably couldn't fill those up, you know. Right, and they'd have to count that as the professional game because they couldn't. Uh, there was no other option. Tom Gore's just throwing T-shirts in the bleachers, just with ten <laughs> beers in. That's what we want to see. Just so. throwing them on the court during the game because that'd be more entertaining. Josh picking them up and drinking them while playing. I just—it's <laughs> an amazing thing to think about. It can go on forever. All right, what are your top troll five? All right, number number one at the point guard, you have to go Steve Blake, all-time best <laughs> okay. piston. Yes. I didn't think about um, him, honestly. I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, Steve Blake was someone who me and my cousins <laughs> created drinking games with. You have to. And like. we're, we're talking, like, I mean, he only played, like, ten minutes a game, and it was it was <laughs> enough. <laughs> and at the two spot, you got to go Jody Meeks. Oh. You know, a lot of, a lot of irrelevant Pistons players – yeah. were, like, relevant coming to Detroit. And mm-hmm. when they left, they couldn't be less relevant in any situation. <laughs> and that's Jody Mitchell. The fact that Jody's still playing is remarkable in itself, though. I mean, props I to that know. guy. Yeah. So then at small forward, Walter Herman. Um, you know, <laughs> him and Luigi Dutome, I'm going to throw on yes. the list, too. GG. Those two guys came to Detroit, <laughs> and I was like, there is no way that they're shooting less than 70% from three oh, and dropping man. 18 points again. <laughs> and you can imagine the disappointment that I felt <laughs> with both of those guys. Power yeah. forward, I'm going to go. I, I throw Charlie V on there as well. I mean, Perfect. this man got a toilet stolen from him <laughs> and uh, got in a great grab fight with Ryan Hollins. I will never forget that. Oh. I was watching that game. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember that. I, I don't remember that game, I'll be honest. So basically, Charlie V was running around a pick. Looked like he swung uh, into Ryan Hollins' under regions, and they just like grabbed each other's faces. And then Hollins left, and then Charlie V was like running away from security, going at him, oh, telling him to meet him in the hallway and stuff. Amazing. It's a phenomenal moment. You should go look it up on YouTube. I need to. I need but to. But then uh, at the five spot, Josh Harrelson, another guy okay. like Walter Herman and Gigi. I was like, oh, this is perfect. He's going to shoot 40% from three. He's going to come off the bench, give us 10 and 10. You know, you know what didn't happen? <laughs> Any of that. Any of that, no. I see you kind of went the route of guys you wish did more. Guys you expected to do more, but they didn't. I kind of went with but the guys who were... Random. Yeah, also, yeah. And, and Steve Blake, what sucks about Steve Blake is if we actually had a good backup, we could have done better against the Cavs because we already had an amazing series against Cleveland. That was yeah. three years ago. That was a fun series to watch. Besides, I think it was just game two. It was the only one that wasn't close. That Kyrie corner three off the inbounds. Oh, never forget that. That We deserved yeah, one was, of those games. I was at that game. KCP oh. had that dunk. Yes. yes. And then Kyrie with that dunk oh. corner three. I loved that five, I'll be honest. I think we overachieved some. And Marcus, I liked Marcus at the three. I just yeah. really like the grit and the uh, intensity of that that guys and those guys and Andre was kind of you know still coming to zone playing every night like he was trying to get a contract. I mean that was just a fun team and I really thought you know we we all had high hopes leaving that year and then we got Avery Bradley, which he deserves a spot and maybe in this lineup as far yeah, as just my lineup for sure the way I'm doing it. <laughs> he may have been like one of the most anticipated guys coming into Detroit. We thought we're about to have an amazing squad upgrading from that. Oh we were so wrong. Why would we think? I mean, obviously in Boston he was good, but why would we think a one-two of Reggie Avery would be good defensively? How could Avery possibly defend some of the guys that are elite in the league at the two spot? I mean, oh, he was hurt it's, too. So his entire game just stopped working <laughs> when he came to Detroit. I don't, that that happens way too often. I mean, luckily it it was the opposite with Blake. Yeah. But you know, there are so many guys who came here and were just like, "Oh wait, basketball? This is what we're playing." <laughs> Yeah, Avery was just like, you know what? I'm just going to pull up from deep two. I hope you guys like that. I'm going to do contested jumpers. 
I think but that's I want the best. Half fit. my foot on the line, so it's as deep uh, as a two as they can get. Speaking of that, I mean Stanley Johnson. One thing I always hated about him, his game was he would always be in that corner, and as soon as he got the ball, his foot would be out of bounds. I can't remember <laughs> how many times he got called for out of bounds in the corner. Like, bro, you get there and you look at your feet. I know you got like size fifteen, whatever. Like, it's hard. But right. that was one of his. Oh man, I couldn't stand that. Oh, I got mad all the time with Stanley Johnson. Yeah, but, me too. Okay. Also, Brian Cardinal was a Piston. Do you know that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I almost want to throw him in just because of his name, the Custodian alone. That's one of the best nicknames <laughs> of all time. Just honorable be, mention. Be a bald white guy and come in and clean up things and shoot threes. I mean, that's like a dad. That's like a proud dad moment. Look, that's every. Shoot. I'll be able to do that in like ten years. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Even with hair, which is even better. I'm sure Detroit would look into that. So, I mean, Brian Cardinal, honorable mention in my in my five. Look, thank you it. for the contribution. I mean, how much you played for us. Not only think it's a full year. Thanks, man. It means a lot. You come to us. So, kind of closing out the show, we're going to go a little different direction here. We have uh, two final questions. One's from Kenyon, Kenny B on Twitter. Maybe one of the most important questions on the pod. Sure. He asks, if a girl has over 2 million snap score... Is it time to shoot your shot or do you abort mission? All right, I'm going to let you take this. Okay. Uh, my advice is you shoot a little test shot. You know, you don't go all in. It's just embarrassing if you go all in with that. Um, you, you gauge it, and then oh. you most likely run away after that. Okay. And that's it. See, I don't even try. Two million? Do you understand how many times you have to snap people have a two million snap score? Like, I have like a 150,000 something, and people think that's a lot. And I can't even imagine the amount of guys this girl is snapping for two million. So I mean, that's crazy. That's like, I don't I don't know the math off the top of my head, but that is a lot of Snapchats every day for the last five years. <laughs> if you're expecting to be cheated on, go for it. She's the perfect, <laughs> she's the perfect one, you know? I mean, two million, that's like, that's not just like one side person. That's like... 50 to 400, I don't even know the range. I mean, I'm not really that good with this 2 million score. Thing. She's, she's also probably fake. She might be fake as well. But, Kenny, you got to have better options, man. 2 million, you're asking for just embarrassment. Respect yourself, bro. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're 62 years old and you're single and you somehow come across a girl with 2 million snap score, dude, fact yourself Snapchat's respectable in itself. Go for it. I say <laughs> wait until you're 62. If not, back up leave yeah it's a great point <laughs> this is an interesting question i don't even know if he actually ran into a girl with that score or not if he did good luck man but okay brandon engel asks is spain the best country of searching for love i know you have a very emotional story behind this you can kind of just share it and close this out if you want basically um you know a few years ago me and, me and my cousins were in mexico on vacation <laughs> And uh, we met these these two twins from Spain, right. and you know, just just gorgeous, really nice. And it, it was kind of perfect because I took a few years of Spanish in high school, nice. so you know, I can pull a little bit out of if I have to. Mm -hmm. And one of the girls knew enough, like as much English as I knew Spanish. Okay. So we hit it off. <laughs> Me and my cousin, who are very pale, you know, it, you know, we basically spent a day in the ocean with these girls. Nice. Worst decision ever because the lack of sunscreen. Very you know, pretty. We, were, we, we couldn't take our shirts off the last <laughs> week of the trip. Um, but yeah, long lost love. You know, we've kept in touch. She lives in Spain. And the answer is yes. Spain is the best place for love. <laughs> Does she speak English? Uh, Google Translate. Okay, so do you just hit her with that two ass bonita? Isn't that like you are pretty or something like that? Uh, yeah. Do you just constantly so, every like it's like it's like a girl when she says, "Man, I wish a guy would just send me a good morning text every day." I feel like that's kind of the relationship you and this girl. I mean, I'm sure she, <laughs> as long as you send her, you are pretty <laughs> every day. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's good, it's good. <laughs> Google Translate has been really key in our relationship, sure. which is good. So I'm gonna need like a translator next time I see her. You know, I've been pushing for the Rosetta Stone purchase. I think if you just ask for like a dollar from your followers, you can easily cover Rosetta. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I know somebody who I can ask for tips on getting a dollar. <laughs> oh, he actually blocked me for the second time, and I never mentioned his ad at all. So, <laughs> Brian, if you're listening to this, because I know you are, I own all the real estate in your head possible. What up, you diggity? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, we love you, man. Come on the show one time. I was last going to close with, uh, I was just thinking about Detroit sports kind of hinders my chance of any chance I have with girls, with starting relationships. Mm. Because I remember 
relationship I had last fall. I mean, well, also my birthday idea was for her to come watch the opening night with me. <laughs> and she dumped me three days before that. So, I mean, might have been a key okay. reason. Maybe she looked at the roster and thought, okay, this team is not worth it. So she, she, she jumped. Shit. We're done. Sign a superstar, <laughs> you incompetent slide. <laughs> but I'll never forget being in college, like my junior, senior year, when the team wasn't even that good. The amount of times I, I put the Pistons in front of actually hanging out with friends and making relationships, too many times to count. And even for the yeah, Lions on yeah. Sunday football, I, I a girl asked me to go to like a function with her. I turned it down to watch the Lions and Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because uh, I'm a similar way. And I was on a date. It was probably like two years ago when my follow, when my like account wasn't great. Uh, you know, I probably had like fifteen hundred followers or something. Uh-huh. And I thought that was amazing. I was like, ooh, fifteen hundred followers. I'm on a date. This girl's from Detroit too. Okay. Oh and, no. Um, oh no. We were we were in an arcade playing basketball game, and then she like brought up the Pistons, and I was like, oh yeah. I run a little little Pistons count. She's like, "Oh, that's really cool. Like, what is it?" And I and I explained it, and then the amount of unimpressed she was after I started speaking. Uh, never saw her again, so never gonna try that again. I'm sure, like two minutes in, she was just walking with another guy. She just completely <laughs> went away from the conversation. It was just with someone else. She just but. found a dude and was like, "Hey, if you beat him, you you win." <laughs> it's amazing how cool we think we are with our Detroit following and things like that but then outside world thinks you guys are losers for this yeah it's cool it happens to the you know we got each other that's what the support groups are yes. all for oh man support groups do not miss those support groups every night around what would you say 11 12 eastern time Always. i don't know whatever the people <laughs> wanted i do it the man of the people mr jordan pistons thoughts we are gonna have to do this more man is a pleasure this is easily the most entertaining pod i've done man a lot of laughs a lot of good times on this one we're gonna <laughs> i'm honored man Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'll get you on mine soon, too. Hey, sounds great. We'll do this more, but you've been listening to the episode three of the Shandy Special. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.